Well, as they're being seated, um, there's, a, there's a story told of a father that was attending a parent-teacher conference for his son. And in this parent-teacher conference, the, uh, the, they're, they're having some issues with the child. They're having some behavior issues with the, with the child. And so the teacher asks the father what kind of discipline he uses at home. The father says, well, I spank him, of course. Well, the teacher, a bit taken back by that answer, said, you know, you should try other approaches besides spanking. A majority of America just doesn't believe in that kind of discipline anymore. So two weeks later, the father sent the teacher an email, and this is what it said. Dear Mrs. Brown, thank you for helping me understand that maybe spanking was not the best approach to discipline my son. I did think about it for quite some time, and I believe that I have found another very effective discipline technique that actually works very well with my child. I now take him out for a car ride so we can talk. Amazingly, his behavior has changed almost overnight. I would recommend this technique to all parents, and I would even be willing to speak to some other parents in the class if you thought that would help. I have attached a photo of one of my sessions with my son so you can understand this amazing technique. Sincerely, Jim. And here's the picture that was attached to the email. I, I, when, when I was doing this, when I was laughing in my office, if you, if you, you might not be able to see it, but the speed, the speed limit is 35 and he's pegging at 99 on the police scanner. <laughs> oh, praise God. Amen. Well, there you go. Just for the record, I am not recommending that technique. So if you use that and you get pulled over, don't you dare say your pastor told you to do it. You leave my name out of that conversation. Unless, of course, you say that you attend the Baptist church, then it's okay. (laughs) Oh, that's fun. Well, we're in week four of our adulting series based on the book of Ephesians. Today, with it being child dedication weekend, I decided to jump ahead and discuss something very practical from the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And then next week we're going to circle back and we're going to go into Ephesians uh, chapter 5. This is going to take us up to uh, Palm Sunday. Can you believe Easter is almost here? And that is our big egg hunt. It's one of our big days that we have at this church. We've been gearing up for that. So make sure that you're here for that. I'm believing that hundreds of people will come to know God that morning. Uh, That thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1. We're only going to read a few few verses to get started here today. If you don't have your Bible or Bible app, it'll be up on the screens if you want to follow along there. If you need a Bible, we have them for you for free at the Hub. You can stop by after service and pick one up. We have them in both English and in Spanish. Okay, here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. It's funny. I'm just going to pause right there. My children used to ask me almost every week what I'm going to talk about, and I would always say this. (laughs) Just that one verse. That's all all I'm talking about. Uh, For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Now, verse 4, this is where I want to put our focus. 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I'm calling this message today the number one key to raising kids. Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ to deliver this. I believe it's a difficult truth because it does kind of go against our culture. And so, Lord, I just I pray, Father, that you would, uh, you would help me, God, to not only communicate this, but you would help uh, everyone in here listening and everyone listening online to, to receive this message, God, the way that you have intended it, Lord. And so, God, we just surrender this to you, and I thank you, God, for your anointing today and your blessing upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Watch this video. Okay. Tuck in, everybody. Where's my potato chips? Oh, we're not having chips tonight, Munchkin. Sorry. I want my chips. Let's try some of this meatloaf, okay? No! Hey. I want chips! not having chips! You sure you don't want to just give her some chips? No, we're not giving her chips. Lead us right there. Oh, 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 why is she growling? That wasn't in the classes. I got nothing for that. She's got a knife. It's just a sponge pot. It's still a knife. <laughs> oh, the joys of parenting. They say that if you can survive it without burning the house down, then you did a good job. As I said earlier, I believe that parenting is one of the most difficult jobs in the world. You bring this new little life into the world, there's no instruction manual. And everybody has an opinion. What do I do? What don't I do? And on and on and on. I remember when we left the hospital with our first child, we were scared to death. At least I was. I don't know if Kyla was or not, but I was scared to death. We didn't know what we were doing then, and some days it feels like we don't know what we're doing now. But here we are. Well, here in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, Paul gives some practical advice when it comes to raising children. And the advice that he gives is like a nugget of gold if you apply it. I want you to know that this advice that he gives is truly a game changer if you apply it. Because knowing something and actually doing something are two different things. And this is easy to talk about. This is difficult to implement. It's easy to preach the sermon. It's hard to live the sermon is the rule. When it comes to parenting, you will find that there is one dominant theme that is repeated throughout the Word of God. Of everything God could have told us about being a parent, and there's a million different things he could have said, there have been a million different books that have been written, some of them very good, there is one central truth according to the Word of God, the information that God wanted us to know 
There's one central truth that is repeated over and over and over again. And I believe that there is a reason for that. I didn't understand it when I was a young parent, but now that we have weathered several years, I understand it more. Because I have found as a parent that if you are faithful with this one truth, especially when your children are young, you will reap the benefits of it when they are older. But if you neglect this one truth, you are more than likely going to have to deal with some very serious issues when your children are older. Now, every child is different, so I know there's some variables in there, but generally speaking, this is true. Now, if your children are older and you have had serious issues, this is not to condemn you as a parent. Ultimately, we all have to make our own decisions in life, and so even after doing everything right, our children can still stray from the truth. Satan is going hard after them, just like he's going hard after you and I. They're not exempt from this. Like I said, parenting's hard. I've made a lot of mistakes myself raising my kids. Just ask them, they will tell you. As a matter of fact, they just said amen. As a matter of fact, they could probably do a sermon series on the mistakes that I have made. So not only is it hard, but we, wrote, we raised our kids together. I can't imagine for the life of me raising a child or children as a single parent. I know many of you that are single parents, you were single parents, and it's, it's pretty much the norm today. You're, there's more, seems to be more single parents than, than parents doing this together. And so my hat's off to the moms and dads that have to raise their kids by themselves. Some of you single moms and dads, you have to work several jobs to keep up and you are physically and mentally exhausted all the time. I can't imagine what it would be like. But then you throw in there's a dynamic of a blended family that has... That has some different dynamics there. And then the dynamic of an adopted family. That has some situations there. And these all bring other issues to the table that you don't see in other places. Parenting is a tough business regardless of where you're at. With that being said, regardless of your situation, I promise you, if you are faithful and consistent, consistent, I'm going to say it again, consistent, with this one thing, because you won't want to be consistent, especially when you're tired. But if you are consistent with this one thing, I promise you, it will eventually get easier. And you will begin to reap the fruit of your labor. Not just you, but your kids will as well. By applying this principle, you are setting your kids up for success when they become adults. Just remember, if you're a single parent, this will be twice as hard for you, but it can still be done. For those of you that already have grown kids, and maybe you didn't get this right, maybe the cards were stacked against you, or maybe you didn't simply understand how vital this one thing is, I need you to remember today that you can't change the past. I need you to remember that we serve a restoring God who can restore and heal the areas of life where we maybe didn't get it quite right. So I just want to encourage you, get on your knees for your children and pray for them daily. And remember, we serve the God of miracles. You are not a failure as a parent. This is tough. 
But most times, if parents are honest, we feel like we are a failure most days. At least I did. If you still have young kids at home or you're planning to have kids at home, there is hope, but you're going to have to put in the work. If you neglect this truth, and that's your choice, you more than likely will have some serious issues when your kids get older. And if you think it's tough now, (laughs) get ready. And I'm not going to give you my opinion today because it doesn't matter what my opinion is. I'll tell you what I did, but I'm, I'm going to give you other options. doesn't mean what I did was the best way, but it, because everybody's sister and their, and their sister's cat has an opinion on, on how you should raise your kids. So I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to tell you today what the Word of God says, and then it's your responsibility what you do with the Word of God. If you take everything that I say today from the Word of God, crumple it up, throw it in the trash, you definitely have the right to do that. But please know I'm trying to help you. I want to see you succeed. I want to see your children succeed. And I do believe that this is key. John Maxwell said, pay now, play later. Talking about life. Play now, pay later. Meaning if you put in the hard work now and you pay the price now, it'll pay off later. But if you choose to play now, you're going to pay later in life. Either way, he says, you're going to pay (laughs) now or later. If you have young kids, I recommend you do it now, take it or leave it. There's a principle in the Bible that says you reap what you sow. This is true for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a Christ follower or not a Christ follower. You reap what you sow. I know several people that don't believe in God, but they were faithful with this truth <clears throat> Excuse me, early on, and now they're reaping the fruit of their labor. On the other hand, I know Christian couples that have neglected this truth, And likewise, they are now reaping what they have sown. So this truth I want to share with you today relates to parenting, but then I'm going to circle back at the end and talk about how this truth applies to each of us as God's children, with Him being the good Father. Because this is how God responds to us, you and I, to help shape us, to mold us into what He has created us to be. In the 1950s, the major problems in our public schools were cigarette smoking, skipping class, running in the halls, spitballs, chewing gum, and whispering in class. Now, if you walk into a school, the major problems you will see that are facing our kids and the teachers are guns, knives, assault weapons. There's been a significant increase in arson, drugs, vandalism, and drunkenness. I do want to say this, this wasn't in my notes, I feel like God wanted me to to bring this up, but I have been doing bus ministry for more than 20 years now, I've been doing it um, uh, half my life, I was a bus kid when when I was young, many of you know that, and about 12 years ago, 10 to 12 years ago, somewhere in there, we, we were, we were in Colorado, I've told this before too, and we had a big bus ministry there, and um, we had, uh, we had eight buses, and we had a gang influence in Colorado that I'd never dealt with before, and it was serious. It wasn't your, your, your people that, that were in their wannabe gangs. These were legit, Serranos, Norteños, you've seen the graffiti all over the place, and, and so the schools had adopted a policy to, for a dress code, meaning you couldn't wear, wear certain color shoelaces, red or blue. You couldn't wear a certain jersey with a certain number on it, um, certain colors you had to stay away from. And so we had to adopt the same policy as the school as far as dress code. And if a kid tried to get on our bus with red shoelaces, they couldn't get on our bus. So we were very strict with that. So because of that, we dealt with some stuff there. We, we dealt with some issues, but we were dealing with gangs as well. So typically the things that would come up, 
would be, would be gang issues that we dealt with. Fast forward to today, and we're running buses today, and this last Wednesday, I walked out of this, this place, and we, we had some issues again, and I said to myself, in all of my years doing buses, and we don't have a gang problem here in Green Bay, not like there, uh, there, there might be small remnants, but it's nothing major like, like we had there, and so we don't have to deal with that dynamic, and, and I walked out of here Wednesday night, and I was thinking, gosh, I, I feel like... I've been doing this so long, and I have never seen the level of disrespect that I'm seeing in our young people today, even, and we don't even have the gang issue here, so I bet it's even worse there now. But over the years, I've seen this transgression, and I'm just, I'm just kind of taken back at the lack of respect that a lot of our young people, uh, a lot of our young people have. But many, stu- many studies have shown that the increase in, our, in, in these problems, and I really feel for our school teachers, because our school teachers have their hands tied. They can't really do much with these, with these problems because it goes back to home. But with the, with the studies that have been done and the increase in these problems, if you dig down and you find the root, it can be attributed to one thing, or actually, the lack of one thing. Parents more and more are neglecting this one truth found in the Word of God, and we are now today witnessing the fruit of that decision. I just want to forewarn you, what I'm about to tell you goes against our culture. Some of you may not agree with me, and that's okay. You have the right to disagree. I'll still love you. But again, I'm not telling you my opinion. I'm telling you the Word of God. It's your choice what to do with it. We raised four children, one of them adopted, so we had that dynamic. We did foster care for a season, so we had that dynamic. And we had to discipline them differently based on foster care, but but, but we made it work. So I have good experience when it comes to this subject. I also did children's ministry for 17 years. I've witnessed a wide, wide range of parenting styles and techniques. I witnessed some people that did this very well. I've seen some of people that didn't do this so well. With that being said, let's read the fourth verse of Ephesians chapter 6 one more time. Fathers, do not, provide, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Now, that's, that's actually very important. We're going to circle back to that. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So here Paul tells us that when we raise our children, we should focus on two things. Number one, discipline. Number two, instruction that comes from the Lord. Discipline and instruction, they go hand in hand. I've told you the story of my mother before. She was divorced and married seven times. I was the only child. I had some siblings from those different marriages, but but that was it. She struggled with substance abuse. She was a sex addict. But despite all of that, the mess of my childhood, and I've told you that story, I am who I am today, and I firmly believe this because of her. My work ethic because of her. My respect for authority and other people because of her. She made mistakes. We all make mistakes, but she was a good mother. She loved me, and I knew she loved me. And if her little boy got out of line, watch out. She did not care where we were. If I showed disrespect, if I misbehaved, here would come Mama, she was like the Fast and the Furious before those movies ever came out. And boy, would she whip me. She would even pull my pants down and whip my bare butt with a board, and she didn't care where we were. Talk about humiliating. 
I remember the look. She's been gone 10 years now, but I still remember that look that she would give me when I would do something stupid. It's forever etched into my mind. Her eyes would get big, and she would just come at me like a pit bull. I remember one time, we were at home. She was in her third marriage. This was the man that beat her severely, put her in the hospital. But I'll never forget this one time. This man said something that made me mad. He typically did, but this time I opened my mouth and I responded and I said something I shouldn't have said. I don't even remember what it was, but it was not very good. I'd just say it wasn't very nice. It was very disrespectful. The next thing I know, I had longer hair at that time. I feel this hand grab the back of my head and wham, my face went right into the carpet. I didn't know what hit me. I'm just running my mouth, and the next thing I know, my face is in the carpet. My mom picked my face up out of the carpet by the back of my hair, and she said, now I'm going to give you the PG version of what she said. She said, it'll be a cold day where the boogeyman lives before any child of mine ever shows disrespect to somebody like that. Now apologize. And guess what? I apologize with the tears streaming down my face. Now, some of you might be thinking, wow, you know, that's kind of harsh for just a little backtalk and disrespect. And you definitely can have that opinion, but let me ask you a question. You think I ever did it again? (laughs) Never. At least when my mama was in the room, I didn't. And she would discipline me and she would say, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Parent, you ever said that or had your parents say that to you? And as a kid, you think, she's, you think they're crazy. What do you mean by that? This hurts me. It doesn't hurt you. But then you become a parent and you understand it better because the last thing that you want to do is discipline your children. It is. You never want to do this. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, direct your children. This is for parents. Direct your children onto the right path. This is a command to parents. And when they are older, they will not leave it. This is what my mother did for me. She directed me by giving me consequences when I got off the right path. And she always kept her word. And that is very important. It's easy to talk. It's more difficult to follow through with what you have said, especially if you are tired, especially if you are emotionally exhausted. But I'm going to tell you today, it's the follow through that makes all of the difference. If she told me, son, if you do that again, I'm going to give you a spanking, except for she said whooping, I'm going to give you a whooping, and if I did it again, guess what was going to happen? I was going to get a sore rear end. She followed through every single time. When she spoke, I knew she wasn't just a lot of hot air. I knew she meant business. You know what I see a lot of today? Little Johnny, you do that again, you're going to timeout. And that's okay if timeout's your discipline, that's fine. But then little Johnny does it again. And what should be happening to little Johnny now that the parent has spoke that? Little Johnny should be sitting in timeout. But little Johnny does it again, and then the parent says, Now little Johnny, I told you, knock that off or you're going to timeout. So little Johnny does it again. Little Johnny, one more time, and you, you get what I'm saying. So what little Johnny is learning, listen to me, is that mom and dad is all talk. He's learning from a young age that their word means nothing. He knows that he can keep doing what he's doing because there are no consequences. 
Kyla was in the nail place a few weeks ago, and there was another lady in there with a young little boy. And the boy was all over the place, and you could tell that it made the, the, the workers there a bit uncomfortable because the kid's just tearing stuff up. He's grabbing things, taking things off of the wall, etc. He's a kid. That's what kids do. But we can't use that as an, as an excuse for kids to do whatever they want. I've heard parents use that as an excuse. Well, he's a kid. That's just what kids do. They're right. That's what kids do. But the, it's the parent's responsibility to teach their child not to do that, to respect other people and their property. But this parent did absolutely nothing. She just let her kid destroy the place. The mother sitting in her chair, would, was, and it made it uncomfortable for all the, all the workers in there, but she's just sitting on her chair, she's watching the whole thing, and she's saying, now stop that, that's not nice. If you keep it up, I'm not going to bring you back next time. And she just said the same thing over and over and over again as she sat there. The boyfriend, who was in there as well, <laughs> finally spoke up and said, you say that every time, but you still bring him back. You see, what was happening is there was no consequence for his behavior, so he's just going to keep doing what he's going to be doing, and unfortunately, poor mom is going to continue to struggle. And as he gets older, it's going to get worse. Let me tell you what I would have done if that were me sitting in there, I should just bite my kids up and, t- and explain what I would have done because they would have known what I would have done. If this were my kid, if that were me, I would have gotten up out of my chair mid-session and I would have said, I'm so sorry, I need to leave. How much do I owe you? Yes, I am highly inconvenienced at this time. And I'm angry, I can tell you, but I am the parent. And as the parent, I have a responsibility. I would have went over and I would have picked him up by the bottom of his foot. No, I'm just kidding. I would have picked him up. I would have taken him outside. I would have put him in the car, and we would have left, and no one would have ever seen him again. Just teasing. From there, we would have went straight home. When we got home, there would have been a spanking, and I would have let him know exactly why I was spanking him. So if he chose to make the same choice again anywhere, he knew what the consequence would be. That's what I would have done. Your discipline might look a little bit different. There were times that my kids got spanked at church in my office. My office was the discipline room. Right, kids? (laughs) Got some people spanking. I think maybe they think that you need it again, right? (laughs) It happened more than once. We have had to leave stores before with things in the cart because one of our children needed corrected. No way was I going to let them do whatever they wanted like they owned the place. They were going to show respect to this establishment. We've had to leave restaurants without eating because one of our children needed corrected. This is one of the reasons we didn't take our kids to a restaurant for nearly four years. Because it was so much work. And I got mad when I would go in and spend money and then have to work the whole time. I'd rather just sit at home and do the the same work. But it was exhausting. We felt like we were disciplining them constantly, and many times we felt like we were failing as parents. But it was our job to teach them. I remember telling Kyla one day, I feel like all I do is discipline the kids. I was so discouraged. I felt like a failure as a parent. I'd get home from work some days, and I'd have to discipline them for the same, time, same thing three or four different times. Same thing. It's like you think you would learn, and it feels like when that happens that you're failing. They're just not getting it, but you have to stay consistent. I was exhausted, but I'm the parent, 
And as a parent, I have a responsibility to direct my children onto the right path. Nobody else is going to do it for me. I am responsible. The school system is not responsible to raise my children. Those poor teachers at school look at a kid cross-eyed now and they get sued for it. And we wonder why kids are taking guns to school. There are no consequences. The church is not responsible. I know this as a, as a dad. is not responsible to raise my kids. Those things are there to help support me. And to help me along the journey. But ultimately the buck stops here. If you're the parent, you are responsible. We were consistent in those early years. And today it's paid off. I remember in Colorado, Kyla had a cleaning job where she would clean different homes for people when they were at work. Nicer homes. There were days that she had to take Jace with her. Now that's risky. He's little. But he knew the rules. And I kid you not, he would sit in the middle of the living room of that house for more than two hours and play with his toys. He wouldn't move unless he had to go to the bathroom. Because he knew that when mama said, sit there and behave, that mama meant it. And if he chose, if he chose to step over a boundary that was set, there would be a consequence to that choice. Jesus himself tells us to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Basically, keep your word. If you say it, follow through. It is our number, our number one job as a parent is to direct our children onto the right path. And we, through, we do this through discipline and instruction as we see in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, discipline comes in several different forms. It doesn't have to be spanking. I've, I've seen some other very effective discipline techniques as well. The definition of discipline is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct discipline. So it's a punishment to show the child that what they did was wrong. It's not a reward. A reward is not discipline. Hear me on this. I'm trying to help you. For instance... This is a cardinal mistake that many parents make. I have made it myself. Little Johnny, if you stop that, I'll take you and get you some ice cream. Now, the reason parents do this is simple. When our child is misbehaving, the last thing you want to do is discipline them. But we want the behavior to stop. So this approach is easiest, and it's the path of least resistance. But I can tell you from experience, it does not work. In fact, it has just the opposite effect, as now little Johnny is learning that misbehaving will eventually get him a reward if he pushes it long enough. So a reward is not discipline. Now, the discipline technique you use is up to you. Again, it doesn't have to be spanking. That's what we used, but you can use any method you want as long as you're consistent. The method of discipline is not what's most important. It's not where most people fail, because most people will tell you, I discipline my kids, but what they'll fail to tell you is that they are consistent in disciplining their kids. They'll discipline them for one, one time, and then the next time they do the exact same thing, there will be no consequence that, that's the same. And so the kid's being conflicted. It's being consistent. It's being a man or a woman of your word that is of utmost importance. That is what you have to establish in your home. Some of you are against spanking. That's completely fine. Again, that's your opinion. 
But the Word of God does have something to say about spanking as a form of discipline. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 13 says, Don't fail to discipline your children. That's the most important part of this verse. Don't fail to discipline your children. And then there's there's a method that comes after that. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. The word rod here indicates a thin stick or a switch that can be used to give a small amount of physical pain with no lasting injury. So it's not abuse. Unfortunately, what has happened is many parents have abused their authority over their children. They have to have everything their way and they tighten the noose. And I've fallen into that trap as well. And they discipline, their, they discipline their children in anger. And the discipline turns to abuse. When this happens, now listen carefully. The, abuse, the abused child or the abused person, and some of you were abused as a child. You know what I'm talking about. You'll relate to this. The abuse that they received, eventually what it does is it leads to anger and rebellion within the child. And you completely do the opposite of what you're trying to do. So there is a fine line here, and that's why this is so difficult. That's why we need to pray, God, give me wisdom to raise my child in a way that's pleasing to you because I don't have a clue what I'm doing. That's what I've prayed. Help me, God, to understand this principle. Abuse is the main reason that spanking is frowned upon in our society today. But it's also the reason why Paul, before talking about discipline, he says this. Now watch this. Let's go back and read verse 4 again. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Physical discipline, when done correctly, is always done in love, and it's never as a vent to the parents' frustration. Have I blown it there? Absolutely, I have blown it there. We are told not to discipline in anger, and I have blown it, and you will too. So what do you do when you blow it? My kids will tell you that when I've gotten to this point, I would always later go up to them, and I would ask, I would apologize to them, and I would ask them for forgiveness. I would say, I stepped over the line, I'm sorry, please don't tell your mother about this. (laughs) But it's humbling when you have to ask your child for forgiveness. But that also teaches them that when they mess up in life, and they will, it's okay to ask for forgiveness. In our home, we had something called the spanking stick, and here it is. My kids have fond memories of the spanking stick. It's got a little smiley face on it I put on there. And it's got a nice little grip on it. $5 at Home Depot. Nice little grip on it. Because I told my kids that when I'm spanking them, I don't want to take a chance hurting my hand. <laughs> but, but this is special. My kids have fond memories of this. And they might say they don't. They might say they hate it. But here's the truth. I'm waiting for the day that they come up to me when they have kids of their own and they say, Dad, can I borrow the stick? And I'm going to say, no way are you spanking my grandchildren. (laughs) They're little angels. (laughs) Oh, praise God. Quick story. Uh, Jalissa, when she was, I I told her I was going to tell this story. When she was maybe six years old or so, 
I was getting ready to give her a spanking, and she said with those big crocodile tears in her eyes, she cried crocodile tears that were bigger than her face. She said, Dad, are you going to give me a butt blister? And I could tell she was terrified. I didn't know what a butt blister was. So I, I decided to roll with it, though, because I could tell she's terrified. So I said, no, but if you do that again, you might just get one. She said, okay. And she actually calmed down enough for me to actually spank her. She was terrified. And from that day on, all I had to do was use the words butt blister, and she would straighten right up. I barely had to spank her anymore. Jalissa, you want a butt blister? And she jumped to attention. I was afraid one day she'd call my bluff and I'd say, Jalissa, do you want a butt blister? And she would say, yeah. Because then I'd be like, oh no, what do I, <laughs> can you tell me what it is? I don't know, I don't know what it is. And then, then my, my gig would be up. But man, I, I, I used that for years. She'll tell you this. Praise the Lord for the butt blister and I had no clue what it was. About three years ago, we're sitting at home, we're chatting, and for some reason that memory came, came back up. So I decided to finally ask her, you know, because they get to an age and you start disciplining in a different way. And I said, Jalissa, can I ask you a question? And she said, sure, Dad. I said, I've always wondered, what is a butt blister? And if you could have seen her face. True story. Her jaw dropped, her eyes got real big, and she said, I don't know, I thought you did. <laughs> so, so apparently neither one of us knew what a butt blister was, but praise God, I mean, I used it and it was like gold for me. Bottom line, your job as a parent is to find a discipline that works and not just talk about it. Talking does nothing. You have to follow through and you have to follow through consistently. And I believe this will be an eye-opener for some of you parents that you've, you've done your discipline thing, but you haven't been consistent. And I understand that because you're tired, you're exhausted, especially if you're a single parent. You don't want to have little Johnny sitting in time out for the eighth time this evening. But sometimes that's what it takes. And I promise you, if you stay consistent, you will see this tide turn. I promise you. You have to follow through even when you're tired. You have to follow through when you're in the middle of a supermarket with a half cart full of groceries. You have to follow through when you're driving down the road. Consistency is key. It will never be convenient. Your kids will act up at the most inconvenient time every time. You have to be consistent. You have to be a man or a woman of your word. You have to let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you ignore this one thing, I can almost guarantee you that you are going to have some very serious issues to deal with when they are older. Years ago, people started to rise up against disciplining your children. Discipline of any kind is actually frowned upon in our society today. Just let the kids do what they want. Let them be kids. We're even letting our children choose their own sex before they can even feed themselves now. That's okay, but don't you dare discipline them. Again, you can do what you want. But we have accepted this and we've neglected this. And so, and parents, and, and you can do what you want. Like I said, I'm not the judge or the jury, but I want you to see something. 
This truth has been neglected, and today we are witnessing the fruit of that, and to turn the tide is going to be extremely difficult. Here are some other scriptures. This is the truth, the truth of disciplines all over the Word of God. Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. You ever thought of that? Because what you're doing is you're actually setting them, up, setting them up more possibly for failure in the future. Those that love their children care enough to discipline them. When you discipline your children the right way, you're not only saving yourself headache in the future, you're setting them up to be successful in life. This is what my mother did for me. She apologized many times for putting my face in that carpet that one time. I know she felt bad. I'd feel bad too. And I would say, no, mom, thank you for putting my face in the carpet. Thank you for loving me enough to put in the hard work to keep me on the right path. Now, she did that out of anger. She normally wouldn't have done that, but she did that time out of anger. But it worked with me. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness. But physical discipline will drive it far away. Kids will be kids. I know a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness. It's our job to point them on the right path. I'm going to invite Sam to come on back up at this time. I could keep going. There's hundreds of scriptures that I could, I could list here. But this theme is all throughout the Word of God. Over and over again, you will see this as it pertains to raising your children. The number one key to raising kids is exactly how God, our loving Father, relates to us, His children. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children's children and not sons. Basically, if God disciplines you, it's proof that you're his child. Verse 9, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. So we're talking about our earthly father, the discipline, and the respect that comes from that. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, talking about earthly fathers again, fathers and mothers, they disciplined us for a short time. It's a season. You're not going to be disciplining your kids all their life. There's a season you have to release them. But we discipline for a short time as it seemed best to them. What's that talking about? The method that you're using as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Watch this. Later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Are you seeing this? Proper discipline done in love produces fruit of righteousness. If done correctly, in other words, it will produce good fruit in your children. This is why God disciplines us, His children. It's for our good. It keeps me on the right path when He disciplines me. And there's sometimes He has disciplined me well. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. God says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. 
Why does God discipline us? Because he loves us. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 11. My child, don't, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves. Just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. We could keep going, but I need to bring this in for a landing this morning. I encourage you parents, do not ignore this truth. Again, I'm trying to help you. And some of you might say, well, man, I discipline my kids, but I'm going to ask, do you do, do, do you do it consistently? That's the key. Do you do it consistently? Is it the same rule for the same offense? As one that has already walked through this, I can tell you firsthand the benefits of correcting your children and doing it consistently. Will they be perfect? Absolutely not. We're not perfect. They'll never be perfect. But I'm telling you, there's a benefit to this, both for you and for your children. You'll make mistakes, but stay consistent. For those of you that have grown children, and perhaps you didn't get this quite right, like I said earlier, don't beat yourself up. We all have regrets. You can't change the past. I want you to remember that we serve a restoring God who can restore and heal the areas of our life where maybe we have fallen short. He can restore and heal your children regardless of how old they are. So get on your knees for your children daily and bombard heaven for them because we serve the God of miracles. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I just want to thank you for this message. It's a bit of a hard truth, but God, is my prayer today that people would see the, the importance of this. And God, we all have different thoughts and opinions on on different things as far as parenting goes. So God, I just pray, Lord, your word says if we need wisdom, we should ask. And so God, I just pray that, I I speak that over every parent in this place today. Whether their kids are small, whether they're older, I speak it over the future parents in here today, Lord, that you would give them wisdom. Because God, without your wisdom, we will fail more more times than than we do things right. So, God, I just speak that today, and I ask you for it. I thank you for it, God. I thank you for that. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless each and every parent, each and every child as they leave this place today, God. Let this be an encouraging message, God, to walk out of here and say, I need to maybe challenging. I need to do some things different. So I want to thank you for that. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. I want you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed.